Welcome to the Stickers on the Mic podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com, where we talk with our customers about how they started their business, how they're marketing their brand, and how they're growing their company. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your continued support. As a bonus for all of our listeners who want to try us out, head over to StickerGiant.com and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Without further ado, it's time for the Stickers on the Mic podcast from Sticker Giant. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stickers on the Mic. Thank you for joining us today. Um, very happy to be dialing in Tisha McCoy and Tiamoa from Propopsterous, which is, as you can see on the screen if you're watching, absurdly flavorful gourmet popcorn. Tisha, thank you so much for joining Sticker Giant. I can't tell you how happy I'm to have you here. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. Looking forward to the chat. Nice. So we're going to talk popcorn, which I'm very excited about. We're going to talk mm-hmm. branding. We're going to talk trademarking. Um, but I want to start just with my the story of today, um, which is not just your stickers and labels, but you know, you um, were very gracious, and you actually emailed podcast at stickergiant.com. Yeah. Which, for those of you out there listening, it's it's We've asked you to do this before. We're going to ask you to do it again today. And um, we're going to share a really successful uh, connection here that, you know, Tisha emailed and, and gave us an amazing pitch and really just couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk to you. And it's, well, you know, what brought you to being what you call yourself now the chief popcorn enthusiast? Like, how do you end up <laughs> in life, by the way, you know? We had a popcorn movie last night for my, my mm-hmm. youngest birthday, you know, and popcorn, mm-hmm. popcorn, movie popcorn, the whole thing, you know, like, um, how, how do you get to being the chief popcorn enthusiast? Yeah. So wait, before we go there, let me start by saying I almost did not respond to the the post that you all made. So I got oh, okay. here because you, you talked about the pitch in the email. I got here um because I sent that pitch. But when I first saw the post a few weeks ago, I looked at it and I was like, surely they're not looking for people like me. So I didn't respond. And then there was something that just kind of kept nagging in my brain. And I said, let me go back and find that post. And I sent an email with my pitch, not expecting a, a response, quite honestly. And then I got your response a few, within half an hour, I think it was, and I was so shocked. So, um, you know, it just goes to show when you put yourself out there, anything can happen. Um, but as far as how I got to be a chief popcorn enthusiast uh, and having my own brand, Propopsterous, uh, the story is kind of, I think, pretty epic. I started uh, my very first job in life in high school was working in a gourmet popcorn store in the Midwest and um, where I grew up. And I loved everything about it. I, you never nobody's ever angry or upset or has a bad experience with you serving them gourmet popcorn and sodas. So um, I said from that moment, I was like, one day I want to own my own popcorn company. And, you know, that's, that was late, late nineties, you know, just to give you context, I graduated high school in 96. So um, I shouldn't even say late nineties, like early mid nineties. I, I I was in high school 92 through 96 and um back when you answered a help wanted ad in the paper, you know, you <laughs> that's awesome because I grew up, uh, you know, I graduated in 98. And so <laughs> I, I can vividly, uh, recall eating popcorn in movie theaters where my friends worked in high school and, um, you know, it, technology was very different. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, I loved it. I loved everything about it. And I said, one day I want to have my own company. Mm-hmm. That dream just kind of stuck with me all through um, college and in my first career. And in college, I went to business school. So when mm-hmm. you graduate from business school, particularly in that time frame, you were going to work for a Fortune 500 company. Right. Um, as opposed to today, kids are graduating from business schools and they're encouraged to go out and start their own entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, so I went to work for Hershey. Mm. Uh, it was either Hallmark or Hershey, had offers from both of them. Right. Went to do sales uh, for Hershey for a couple of years and I uh, learned a lot about branding then. Mm-hmm. I, I, and then um, went back to grad school to go back and work on a college campus. And um, and all through this, you know, even with my career, I was always searching for that feeling that I had when I served people popcorn mm. from high school. That feeling has stuck with me throughout all these years. And um, when I got here to the Shenandoah Valley, I got connected with the Small Business Development Center because I still had that dream of starting my own popcorn company. I tried to tra- I tried to franchise the companies in the Midwest and none were interested in. So I said, you know what? I'm going to start my own brand mm-hmm. and I'm going to start small and I'm just going to build it over years. And that's what I've done. Nice. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and, you know, good perseverance and all that. Um, yeah, I'm from Chicago. I get, I get at the Midwest. Uh, Where in the Midwest? So I, my family's originally from the Chicago area, oh, nice. so the Great Lakes Naval Base yeah. area, yeah. and then, but I grew up in Kansas City mm-hmm. um, most of my life. So you know, between the two, there's some great popcorn brands between mm-hmm. those two cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so you know, Garrett's is the favorite yeah. <laughs> in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of a nuts on Clark fan. Oh, there you but go. There's some, yeah. there's some good popcorn there. Uh, that's just interesting because like. You know, brands are one thing, and then starting your own brand is another. And your your mm-hmm. comment on the the changing culture of business schools is, is true. Um, for sure, entrepreneurship is very much the uh, preferred kind of. Uh, well, it's not the preferred, but it's it's marketed heavily as something that is sure. an option. I guess is more more that. Um, and thank you for reminding me of the the soda component too, because so you got the you know the sweet and savory, then you got the liquid refreshment too. So that's mm-hmm. kind of fun, um, and you know the. Virginia, you know, that's kind of your, you know, you it's, you say on the site, like it all starts in the valley, you know, and where you source your, your, your kernels themselves um, and doing that local play. So how did you develop, you know, this is, I don't want to go right to developing the best popcorn kernel, but you had to develop the brand and then you trademark it and you got the fun language of like absurdly flavorful, like what did it take to, to get to the point of that amazing logo behind you uh, that you yeah. Yeah, the, the branding piece is a great story. So I, um, by the time I launched my company in fall of 2015, I had had a name in mind for the past seven years because I got connected with the Small Business Development Center in 2007 mm-hmm. and had been planning, just t- making notes all throughout for eight years of what I wanted um, my company to be like, what products mm-hmm. I wanted to sell, how what I wanted the customer experience to be like. Mm-hmm. And by the time I launched the name I wanted, someone had trademarked a year and a half before I launched. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. Oh, it you're just like, that was like 10 years. That was like right. 10. Right. So I got with a great graphic designer and he was kind enough to connect me to a copyright uh-huh. um, person, a copywriter. And I 
said, here are my rules. It has to be one word. It has to be whimsical. And it has to have pop prominently featured um, toward the center of it. And we went through, I remember it was four rounds and there were about 300 options he cranked out. Wow. And it was in round three, because in round four, I was ready to get up, give up. I said to my graphic designer, I was like, I don't think he's it. I don't think he gets what I'm trying to do, but let me go back and look one more time. And I went word by word um, and it was in the third round. And oh, that man. is the story of Prepopsterous. That's awesome. Um, so, You've had this idea for a while, but then you, you talked a little bit too about um, deciding early on. Like, how did you then invest in the IP and the trademarking? Like, what were the steps to do that? Because that seems sort of like Byzantine yeah. and complicated. Um, and like the rules and all that stuff. Like, how did that all play into that? Yeah. So one of the reasons I did it because most people will tell you just get your just get your company up off the ground and running because investing in your IP is, is an investment. <laughs> It's expensive. Um, but I knew I never wanted that feeling to happen that I had with the company name that I thought I would have uh, that, you know, mentally I had committed to all those years. And um, and I knew I wanted to sell across states and I knew I didn't want there to be any brand confusion. Uh -huh. So I wanted to own the categories of gourmet sodas um, and popcorn in, in the snack foods category. And so that's why I made the decision early on to invest in my IP. Um, and it was expensive. I actually ended up going with an attorney. So I did some of the initial research on my own to realize that preposterous wasn't taken, um, which is great. And, and one of any trademark attorney will tell you one of the best things you can do for your brand is if it's a word that doesn't exist or is not a real word, that will help you. And so preposterous is unique because it's not a real word. <laughs> Um, and a lot of people can't then say preposterous, which is the actual word, once you say preposterous. So it, it really is, does become kind of like an earworm. It is. I, that's always, I've been, as I've been prepping since I, you know, got the email, like preposterous, I have to like keep saying it over and like, I love words. They're my, um, yeah, I write <laughs> and this yeah. is my job. Um, but yeah, preposterous is so fun. It, it just rolls off the tongue really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, so, yes, that's good to like if you can invest in and or consult legal counsel, you probably should. Absolutely. Um, and you get to use a little R right there and you got the pop. Like so just to, to illustrate this a little bit better. Capital P-R-E caps P-O-P lowercase mm -hmm. sturus, right? Preposterous. Right. Like you really like right. emphasize. Did you think about going lowercase P? Um, I did not. And one of the plays there is that some of the other product lines, I knew I wanted to go into gourmet sodas, right? So when I first launched, okay. I was only online, um, mm. an online retailer, and you can't ship sodas where I couldn't, I wasn't bottling. Okay. But I knew that eventually I would add sodas. So as I'm, there's a slight rebrand and this is an old logo, okay. but the <laughs> S is now red as well. And in oh. um, all caps because of pop. So you got soda pop and popcorn. Oh, pops. Pops. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a play on words um, there and some alliteration. Okay. So yeah. So those, the logo will have a red S. I see what you're saying. Right. Cause like mm -hmm. you have a P and it's on red and you know, black, mm -hmm. red and white are like the core colors. Anyone who knows about graphic design and color, color yes. study, like in the news, which is my background, like you get black and white, 
Mm-hmm. Black letters on white, but then red is like your signifier. So, mm-hmm. and it's there's, and, red, there's red everywhere here too. So I love, right. I love, I love red. And there's a, there's science behind red and food. It stimulates oh, the appetite, okay. and so oh. there is some color psychology out there. Um, so I, I would say for anyone that's deciding to invest in in their brand in a major way, make sure you understand the color psychology. Um, if you think about all the major food brands, they all have red in them. No, I know. As soon as you start saying that, that's what I thought of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, we've covered quite a bit about like the high level, but like mm-hmm. honestly, at the end of the day, okay, local ingredients, very de- delicious, all that stuff. C- flavors. Yeah. Like, let's talk flavors. like this is a food product. Like these yeah. are flavors. You have flavors of soda. You have flavors of popcorn. Like, how do you develop them? Where did you start? Like, I have so many questions, but let's start about like the first flavor. Okay. The first flavor was probably caramel, caramel and cheddar, because they're pretty common uh, popcorn flavors. Then there's cinnamon, uh, which is like cinnamon red hots melted all over popcorn. There's chocolate, which tastes like cocoa puffs. Okay. Um. There's on the savory side, there's spiked cheddar, which is a sriracha cheddar, which is Ooh. actually in, in retail is one of our top sellers. Really? Um, mm-hmm. People think it's going to be really spicy, but it's not. It's very, it's it's got a kick to it, but it's very flavorful. Is the best way I can describe it. Um, you know, the, I, in some ways I say anything savory that you can put on a potato chip, I can put on popcorn. Okay. It's probably yeah. the easiest way to describe it. But then yeah, like wasabi, so, you got wasabi. Wasabi. Mm-hmm. That looks good. I, I like that. That's speaking to me right now. And our signature holiday flavors, gingerbread, peppermint, mm. and pumpkin spice are all flavors um, that are, they're our signature flavors. I mean, the gingerbread, I worked on that recipe for, it took batches and batches to perfect it. And I'm one of those persons, when I am working on a recipe, I don't put it out to the public unless... I feel like it's perfect. So it takes me a while. Sure, sure. I just noticed the absurdly windy city. That's that speaks yeah. to me, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, but no, you got like you got the mixed stuff. You've got um, like you said, holidays is good to like break it down. Um, so this is a this is a big range, right? You p- play with a pretty big palette of flavors. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you like come up with those then? Like, in, like what does the development process look like? Um, so all of them, especially the candy coated ones, they start with a base mix. Um, vanilla is is our base mix, and that's uh, is something that we source from another company, and then we layer all of our own flavoring on top of that. And so it is playing with spices. It's looking at what's trending in food flavors. Um, it's looking at work. What, who can we partner with? And when I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, when I talk about the soda side. Okay. But there, you know, it's just infinite. And it's funny because growing up, I wasn't a kid that was creative artistically, but I find so much creative, um, so much of a creative outlet with making popcorn. And it's just a challenge of, can I capture the essence of a flavor on a kernel? That's awesome. Um, That's that's great. <laughs> uh, like you found your palate, you know, like you got to find yeah. your medium. You can't, yes. it's, it's a long journey, right? Like learning what you like. And 
Also, now mm-hmm. you have branding, so you work within the structure of that too. So yeah. like you can be like creative within a system, which always kind of helps, especially when you're clearly a creative person. Like a system is important. Like, um, how do we then? you know, bring in the soda part of this? Like, where where does that all fit in? I mean, other than you need to drink something, salty food, whatever. Mm -hmm. How do we, it's a choice to like add a thing to your brand. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you have popcorn. Why why wouldn't you have something to wash it down with? Um, You know, you gotta gotta get those kernels out somehow. (laughs) Right, exactly. So like, obviously you need a drink, but like, what is it? That just is a whole nother thing. It's liquid. It's a whole nother thing. So, um, the soda side, I needed to be in retail, right? And so last year the pandemic hit and, um, and I didn't know that I, a retail opportunity just kind of presented itself. And I said no a couple of times. And then the owner kept saying, just think about it. So I, I said yes. And I said yes, because I knew the only way to launch my next product was, which was sodas was to get into retail. Um, so at retail, these are all fresh squeezed, of made to order drinks. So I've got limeades and it's classic limeade, cherry limeade. Um, I do a ginger orange juice, which I make the ginger syrup myself. Oh, wow. Um, and in, in my retail location, it's a marketplace. So there's right. six other vendors there. Um, and one of them brings in Florida oranges. Mm. Um, she, she has them, they come up on a truck They you know, they're picked one day, they're on a truck the second day. And on the third day, they're in our coolers. And so I partner with her and use her oranges to make the ginger orange juice. And it has been the most popular drink so far this season. Mm. Um, and it's just, there's just a creative license there. She was bringing in oranges and I said, Hey, I wonder what a ginger orange juice would taste like. And right there on the spot, <laughs> I tried it and it worked. So you have a signature flavor right off the bat. Um, mm-hmm. So you have these two retail locations. Uh, well, we have we have one, and oh, then we wholesale one. into the other. I think the other one you're you're referencing is the brewery. Yeah, um, yeah, we, yeah. Ho- we wholesale into that brewery. Oh, nice, got it. So you can find Propopstrus there, but yes. when you, where you're in person is at this North River Marketplace there in Bridgeport. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. On. Cool. So you have this. Is that one of those things where there's like multiple? Um, like, is it a collective space or something like that? What is it? Yeah, it's a collective space. I mean, I have a defined counter space mm-hmm. um, just because I have a popcorn bar and I have a soda bar, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's pretty open air. Customers okay. can come in and they can shop any of our, uh, any of our retail stations, if you will, and mm-hmm. check out at one counter if they want to, or they can, if they're just buying popcorn, they can check out at my counter. So it's a very collaborative space. It's, um, I love it. It's a hundred percent women owned businesses mm-hmm. in there. Um, and we just have a really great time supporting one another and when possible using each other's products. Right. Yeah. I see that now. So the yourdinner.com uh, world mm-hmm. there, that whole website, that's fun. Um, so you get to see people in person cause that's a great way to sell, yes. uh, you know, like there's nothing like, well, for some people they don't want to do that, but I do enjoy talking about mm-hmm. what we do and what, you know, it's just fun. I, the in-person sales experience is a totally different mental state. So yes. And kids it. love watching us make our sodas. <laughs> yeah. Um, they love it when they say they want an orange juice and I say, well, you get to go pick your oranges, go right over there to that Ooh, cooler. That and is really me. fun. It, it's so much fun. And then they that's watch me cut them up and, and juice them for them. So oh, it's fun. really neat. Um, that's actually really rad. Um, really cool. Um, 
was I going to say about that though? So you really leaning on the orange. Do you do like a carbonated soda or like, how does that, like what? Yeah, we have a carbonation station um, at our, on our soda bar. And so we top it off. We say we top it off with fizz. So do you Uh, want fizz? Do you, or do you just want it straight up? Fizzed. Fizzed. (laughs) Fizzed or straight up. If it is or straight up. And um, what's also fun is that when we make it, particularly the limeades, we shake it up like a martini. So I actually use oh. a, a, a Boston shaker yeah. um, because the, the truth is the one job I never got to do that I always wanted to do was be a bartender. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I just took all of that energy and figured out how to work it into the soda bar. So I shake it up. Uh, the ginger orange, the ginger syrup is measured with a jigger um, for, that you would find on a bar. Mm. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Oh my God. I can't wait for this future road trip. I can't, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, so good for you. And way to like, when you're talking the COVID thing too, like, I mean, obviously a lot, people had a lot of trouble this year and, and there's stories all, all over the place. But you, you went into retail during this time. Is that I did. what you Yeah, that's wild. I did. When did you start doing that? Was it before, you know, March or whatever of last year or that during? Was, that was October. So I opened my counter October 22nd of last year. 2020. Okay, so we're a few, yeah, we're kind of moving towards the. Mm-hmm. So I haven't even been open six months um, at this retail location. Well, that's great. Um, well, hopefully you keep going that. Um, but that wasn't part of your original plan. It was not. Um, my my original plan was retail. I almost signed a lease October of 2019 for a retail location and something happened. It didn't work out. And I remember being devastated that it didn't work out. Mm. Um, but then COVID hit and I thought, my goodness, divine intervention. I'm glad it didn't work say, out. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and then kind of on the other side of that, around July, I got presented with this opportunity to go into retail in a more collaborative space where the risk was lower. Um, and the opportunity was greater in terms of customer traffic, because not only would it be about my counter being a destination for my customers, but how many more customers could I capture because I'm in a market space with five other businesses? Right, exactly. Especially somewhat simpatico businesses, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, so you've done a lot, obviously, there um, in, in your region. You know, I, I know you know you're talking a little bit before we started rolling about this um, SWAM certified. Uh, business of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, talk a little bit about what SWAM means and, and what's that meant to sort of your your whole approach. Sure. So SWAM stands for Small Women and Minority Owned Business. Um, and in the Commonwealth of Virginia, you can get a designation for that. And it, it's helpful for smaller businesses, minority owned businesses that um, want to it's primarily a state designation for people that want to do business with the state. So when there's um, RFPs and things of that nature, you get um, a little bit more of a look or a focus on your application because you are SWAM certified. And so it does help uh, small and and women and minority owned businesses um, have access to some opportunities that otherwise they may not because they are smaller um, normally. Uh, So it's been a, a good designation for me in, in particular in COVID times and some of the statistics of minority owned businesses that have failed as a result. Um, it, 
a lot of businesses have failed, but minority businesses have failed um, at a disproportionate rate. Totally. And, um, and, and I shouldn't say fail. They've just, they've gone out of business just because of the pandemic. Yeah. It's not a failure. It's not a (laughs) failure, but like it, it goes underneath that number, unfortunately, where it's like successful or fail, but it's more like, and I've had people on the show in the last couple of years that are not in business anymore. So women, ironically women own, but like, um, that's not a great statistic that we we want to celebrate. No. So any, anything that you can do to like curtail that for yourself is important. Right. And, um, and, it, and that designation helped in the midst of COVID because a lot of people were looking to intentionally support minority owned businesses. And so people right. were looking to identify who's a minority owned business out there that I can support. Um, and that did work to, that benefited us to some degree. Yeah, there's a, a big push to support. Mm-hmm all kinds of small businesses, but those owned by um, people of color. What what I'm very interested in the way they like talk about, like it's the Department of Small Business and then supplier diversity, which is Mm -hmm. is an interesting thing because like you have to get your packaging and align your business then with like the rest of the structure because you want to be in the system and work the system right. and make the system better. You know what I mean? Yes. In some in some way, because you have to get your boxes and your kernels and your labels. Hi. Um, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right back there. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, so that just, like, there's some, it probably is a good resource and it also helps you align like philosophy and principle, which people, you know, to zoom out a little bit, of course, it's important to support these SWAM uh, type things all around the country, but then it's also, um, you know, important to highlight small businesses and, and find a way to um, to work with people that are aligned to your sort of business philosophy. Sure. And the resources. So behind that supplier diversity organization is not just SWAM, but there uh, when I built out this factory, I needed some capital for the equipment that I needed to purchase to uh, increase my production capacity. And that pro- that office, that department had a loan program mm. that I was able to uh, benefit from. And so there's all these resources that if if you become SWAM certified, in most states, they link you to other resources. So the SWAM piece is like the spoke of the, or the, the center of the wheel. Mm. And, and then that office, you know, has spokes out into other resources that are really crucial for small businesses. That's fun. That's great. Um, and it's good that you're able to use that. Um, well, goodness, I mean, you you know, you do the home-based business, kitchen, all that, you build factory, now you have a retail space, you said you built another factory, like what kind of, there's that, that path, what's next on the path? What's next on the path is um, a standalone production facility and, and retail potentially, with the with the opportunity for retail, if we want to go that way, we're very happy at the marketplace and want to stay there as long as uh, we can fit within the footprint that we have. But uh, we need to get into automation, mm-hmm. packaging automation, um, so in, in distribution. And so to be able to have a broader distribution than just our local area, right. I need to figure out packaging automation. Um, if I want to distribute the sodas, I need to figure out bottling. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of of things to still figure out, but also there's other product lines. Um, I can't say what they are, but That's, there's some yeah, other that we always get to that point of the talk, and it's like mm-hmm. you'll you'll launch your thing. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to talk the more logistics and strategy because that's kind of what is most 
it's great that you're gonna come. I figured you got a new product. I'm not going there. <laughs> um, but it's interesting you talk about automation and, um, and and when you're talking about that facility too. We used to have a really fun tour program here, you know, and it's kind of mm-hmm. suspended right now. We'll bring it back eventually. Get to see Saw, the world's largest sticker ball. I've done some like like a candy factory here in Denver. You go to their tour. Mm-hmm. Do you have that kind of experience? People loved, like you said, watching the soda get made. Do you right, offer I saw, that? I, um, only at the counter. What they what they see, you know, they can see me filling their tin. They can see me filling um, a bag of popcorn or making their soda. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to get, as I get, I grow production. I like, you know, them to be able to see uh, the popcorn kernels as it comes out of the big popper, you mm-hmm. know, and... And like the thing that puts all the the coating on it. Yeah. Put it, you know, the tumbler there. Um, So I'd I'd love for customers to see some portion of that. Yeah. um, Just a little window. Yeah. Just a little window to see different stages of the popcorn would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I hope we can get there one day. Uh, But, you know, it's slow and steady. I'm still early. Newer. I know. I know. I know. Six years. But I do have big dreams, and I and the one thing about being an entrepreneur is I do have to slow myself down and say, "There you go." You know, it's only been six years. There, you know, Oprah built you know her media empire over. It was twenty five years before she got her own network. <laughs> so I have to think about it in context. Totally, that's awesome. Um, gosh, we've covered some ground. This has been so fun, um, Tisha. This is thank you so much for reaching out. You're welcome. Yeah, just so fun to share this story. And, and I love popcorn. And like I said, I mean, popcorn movie, that's like my favorite thing in the world is popcorn yeah. movies. So, um, and it's cool that like you, you were doing this early on in mm-hmm. high school. Like this was something you wanted to follow through on. So, I mean, way to like see mm-hmm. it through. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty Yeah, impressive. it's, I, I'm glad I did it. Um, I wish I would give anything to live in today's times with college students that are graduating because they are encouraged to start um, their own businesses. And that just wasn't something that was a part of, of my college experience. Um, and so I'm, I'm coming to this as a 40 something year old, um, starting a business and, and launching into this entrepreneurial endeavor after 15 years in higher ed and a few years in um, sales for um, for Hershey USA. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. And there are a lot of skills in both of those two careers that I bring to this and that has helped me grow Propopsters. So everything happens and it's, it's due time. Propopsters growth. What a good story. Um, we appreciate you so much. Um, and everyone who's out there listening, you can head uh, online. If you're in the, in the region, you can, of course, head to the uh, River, uh, North River Marketplace. The North River but, Marketplace, yeah. But the preposterous.com site will uh, get you these ma- amazing flavors. This Windy City mix, I have to say, again, as a kid who grew up in Chicago. But the wasabi might be the one that jumps off the page to me. I'm, I'm interested in that. I love the savory. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so good. And uh, can continue developing delicious things for people. Absurdly favorable things, excuse me. Absurdly flavorful. Absur- I, so, oh, last thing before we go, yeah. that part. How did that like tagline come together? Because when you look at the synonyms for preposterous, the actual word absurdly is one of them, and so it's we, in the family. Um, it's in the family, so I actually trademarked that. So I hold four trademarks: preposterous for sodas and popcorn, and then absurdly for sodas and popcorn as well. And then as we roll out um, new new products, we'll we'll go brand them accordingly. 
Oh, that's so cool. Preposterous and absurd. Preposterous. I, like you said, you can't say it. I was trying. I was trying to say preposterous <laughs> and absurd are like two fun words in your brand language and mm-hmm. tone, which we talk a lot about here. Brand tone and brand voice. Those are just fun words to have in the tool belt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. For you. And it's, it's been so awesome to partner with Sticker Giant on um, my labels. I have die cut custom labels and I've been, gosh, I've been ordering from you all since almost the very beginning. Um, and I've, I love my labels. People love the labels. Uh, it's just something that they say when they look at my branding, they're like, wow, this is really well done. And I think it's the difference between, you know, f- for anyone that's, t- that's thinking about their branding, why the packaging matters and why the visual piece matters so much. It's the difference between somebody paying $2 for a bag of popcorn versus being able to command close to $6 for a bag of popcorn. Um, people will pay for brand. Mm. That's very and because it's part of, because, well, because it's part of the experience, right? The, the brand, how it's presented to you, that's all a part of the experience. And I often say people pay for experiences, not, not necessarily just a product. Right, right. I mean, it's got to be good. It's got to be, in your case, absurd. Yeah, it's got to be good. It, <laughs> Absurdly it's flavorful. Good. <laughs> it's, um, it's worth it every bit. There you go. Yeah, deliver on the promise. Well, that's a uh, thank you for that. We appreciate that. And I like, well, can't wait to see what happens next. So, well, thank you. Uh, all right, folks. Tisha McCoy and Tiamoa from Preposterous Popcorn and Sodas, Gourmet Popcorn and Sodas. And we're going to be following this story. Tisha, thank you for joining us. Everybody else out there, we say it every time. Every sticker has a story. This time, it's absurdly flavorful popcorn and soda. So thank you uh, for joining us, and we'll see you next time for Stickers on the Mic. That wraps up this episode of Stickers on the Mic, brought to you by StickerGiant.com. You can download us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customer sticker stories. And if you're inspired to create your own stickers or labels, head over to StickerGiant.com to check out our options and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Thanks again for listening to Stickers on the Mic.